The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it, Midweek Editions here. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Elijah back at it, and uh, we are loaded up. Uh, we are ready to get and continue with Nebraska-Michigan week. I, I want the game to get here. It's fun talking about the, the what-ifs. It's fun talking about what the, the, the what-could-be. But, man, let's touch gloves. Let's do it. Can Saturday get here quick enough? Let's see the rubber meet the road with Nebraska and Michigan. And uh, we're here to talk about it in the next couple hours with you. Numbers to dial up, 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. can find us on Twitter. Give us a follow, Chris Schmidt, that's me, at Schmidt underscore radio. Elijah Herbal, at Herbal Essence on Twitter and uh, Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Before we dive into football, a fist bump to Matt Abdel-Massey and Coach Hoiberg, Nebraska landing a commitment uh, for 2022. Denim Dawson, come on down. This first reported by your friends at Rivals. And uh, Denim, a three-star out of Southern California Academy, uh, is, uh, is in. Uh, 6'6", dude. Can ball, can score, can slash to the rim. And uh, Nebraska able to edge out Georgia Tech for him, 6'6", 180. And uh, there you go. Commit number three. Yeah, and from I'm just watching his uh, his highlight tape here. Holy cow, does this dude just have long strides? Yep. He takes Glides. off like a foot in front of the, the the free throw line for this dunk here. Like, holy cow. Athletic is all get out. I haven't seen him make a jump shot yet, but athletic is all get out. Guess what? Can turn the corner and elevate, <laughs> right? Because uh, Nebraska in uh, the Big Ten with the Big Ten media is predicted 10th. 10th right behind Wisconsin in front of Northwestern. And uh, who else? Yeah, Penn State. Got to go earn your respect, huh? You got to do. It's Michigan, Purdue, Illinois, Ohio State, your top four. Five through eight, Maryland, Sparty, Indiana, Rutgers, Iowa, nine, Whiskey, ten. So, yeah, you'll have opportunity. Big Ten's not going to be incredible this year, but it's going to be really good and respected. So you finish in that top eight, you'll knock on the door. Top top six finish should get you into the tourney pretty easy. Yes, yeah, I think that, that, that's that's what the what the goal I think for this team should be is getting to that top, top six. Half. Like like not even an on the bubble team, just seven. A, a team that's that's you know with a, a six seed in the tourney, a seven seed, an eight seed somewhere in there, uh, finishing in that five six, even the seven eight, spot. The eight time. nine, ten eleven, <laughs> <laughs> the the dreaded six eleven matchup. Back to football. 
All right, let's uh, let's spend a few minutes here on on Nebraska and Michigan. We'll hear from Will Compton because you have the the T-shirt challenge going on with the bus and crew uh, between him and, and Taylor Luan. Uh, Joel Klatt, a take on Michigan on the show today. Twenty minutes from Mister Husker Football, Mike Babcock, Mike Schuhart. We'll talk about Friendsgiving uh, with the match between Bryson. And uh, Brooks, uh, your Thanksgiving weekend. But Chewy, I want to talk some Husker football as well. Uh, part of the Herdad Media family. You know him with Chick and Nick. You know him with ESPN. You know him with Sirius XM. Matt Chick with us in one hour. His take on Nebraska-Michigan. Uh, Chick, a Nebraska guy, uh, at least his his time before going national in Nebraska. And uh, has a good uh, big-picture perspective uh, on you know this matchup, and uh, also Michigan insider and former coworker, he's uh, all over Michigan. Uh, Greg Henson will be with us. So excited for the show today! So we got a lot of questions to ask, and we are waiting on those answers. Some of those questions answered against Northwestern, and uh, some of the the hope that is out there for you as a Nebraska fan here. Uh, when it comes to the possibilities of Saturday and beyond. And let me ask you this. What do you believe Saturday represents? Is Saturday uh, the stage in the moment where Nebraska and Scott Frost truly get cleared for takeoff? You've been waiting for it. You've been wanting it. You've been wanting this program to be relevant. You've been wanting this program to be good. They are better. They are good defensively. You've got an, a, a dynamic quarterback. You've got uh, an unselfish football team. You've got a tough, tough physical squad on the lines of scrimmage. You've got some depth on, on the D. And, and now, honestly, you have a little depth on the offensive line just because some guys have been replaced. So you have some things that you've been building up for. But... As, as a Nebraska fan, what's Saturday represent for you here? Uh, that, that moment of takeoff where, okay, Nebraska, Scott Frost, you beat a ranked team, a top 10 team, and then presumably you don't screw it up after. Not that you went out, not that you're even favored in some of your remaining games, because it's a hard-ass schedule after Michigan. There are losable games, but I think it's okay to feel like you beat Michigan you can go into Purdue if Nebraska handles their business. You can go into Minnesota if Nebraska handles their business and, and play well and, and win those, those games that were losses two of the last three years. You can compete, not get embarrassed, but compete with an Ohio State. You could go tag Iowa. Wisconsin's not great. That's not the takeaway from Nebraska. But the, the possibilities are, are endless with what type of run and momentum this team can get on. The reason I bring up one game, one win, one national audience on a Saturday night is because of some reinforcement you saw Saturday against Northwestern. Northwestern's not great. You're supposed to go 56-7 to on Northwestern in 2021, but you did, and you did it after... Uh, some absolutely emotionally draining, <laughs> rip your heart out losses, two of them. So the, the mental stability 
is there to to bounce back, go back to work the right way. You showed it last Saturday, and can you keep doing the right approach uh, going into to Michigan? So, you know, I, I think it is. It could be that 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 jolt, that lightning bolt of momentum where you do get the payoff. You you back up some of the nice things people have been saying. Uh, with with what Nebraska is record wise versus what they think Nebraska is talent wise, how good Nebraska is, it's okay to say, eh, no, hold on, man, I see a red light still or it's yellow. I'm not ready to go all in yet. It's just one game. That's fine too. But I believe that if if you get this thing done against Michigan and you do it in a specific fashion. I think it could absolutely turn the tables. What has Nebraska done? Nebraska's bulked up in the weight room. Nebraska's had physical camps. Nebraska's gone through the peaks and valleys with a quarterback who's been through a lot. Nebraska and Coach Lubick have surrounded the offense and their quarterback with some really nice skill people. Okay, And who knows if it's long-term or short-term with Yant. And I kind of got a kick out of Coach Austin's comment. And it wasn't rude. It was just, all right, do it again. Pretty much do it again. Be consistent. That, to me, means do it again. Okay? And then you see you hear and see a guy like Ramir Johnson running as hard as he is. Right? It's, it's coming together. Right? You're putting it together. And you can get that, that money payoff. On Saturday night, that that will continue to springboard you. It just it feeds itself in a really good way. If you're Nebraska football, and I, I think what Nebraska has done so far this year through six games is they've earned respect from people within the state of Nebraska, from fans of Nebraska. I mean, we talked to Shuey four weeks ago, and we'll see what he says today. But four weeks ago, he said, "I don't even want to watch the game on Saturday." Well, look now, you're filling the stands. That was one of the more electric environments we've had at Memorial Stadium since. I don't know the Bo Pelini years. Uh, I guess probably Michigan back, State, but yeah, Michigan yeah. State uh, in that game against Wisconsin where they're honoring the ninety seventeen. That was a pretty good environment at Memorial Stadium that night too. Uh, but a great environment inside Memorial Stadium. I think there is respect from fans of Nebraska for this team for the the effort they've put out and the improvements that they've made. And now you have a chance on Saturday to go earn respect from the nation as a whole, from the rest of the Big Ten. I mean, look at how ESPN's marketing this game. I saw them talking about it on Monday Night Football. I saw, saw them talking it on in baseball the, last the Yankees night. and Red yeah. Sox games are talking about Nebraska and Michigan. You have a chance in front of a national audience to show, I mean, the country, this is the improvements that we've made. Uh, we're not the same old Nebraska team you used to seeing for the past five years. We're new and improved, and you have a chance to go take down a top 10 team at home. I think you have a really, really confident football team. Mm-hmm. Even if you don't win Saturday, but you play well, and it's not a mistake, oh, you gave the game away. You can say, and there's been instances where a better team's come into Lincoln and won. Michigan could be one of those. They've recruited in, at an elite level. They've quit jacking around with trying to be sexy on offense, and they ram it down your throat. And they got a front seven that loves blood. All right, and they're really good at special teams, and they they hit field goals and they punt the football. They're patient. They're okay with being boring. Jimbo can keep pulling them khakis up to his nipples. He don't care. He is he's comfortable. He's he is the same guy now that was running the the option or quarterback, uh, you know, bootleg for for Bo Schembechler thirty five years ago. 
he has finally kind of morphed morphed into that. He's just he's secure and and they've been quiet and kept working hard. Here's what the next step. And Trev Alberts talked about incremental progress. Okay. And and you've seen it with the run game. You've seen it get cleaned up at least through one game on the offensive line. You've seen it with Adrian Martinez taking care of the football for the most part and just just willing this offense being such an incredible difference maker. The thing that would be the absolute pinnacle for Nebraska to, to get Michigan, take him down. I don't think you care how it gets done as long as it gets done. But I think what would be even more beneficial is for Nebraska to go get this game Saturday night in a fashion that has evaded them. What's that been? It has been one score freaking ball games. It has been three points. It has been seven points. It's not that they haven't won those. But you haven't won one against a team the caliber of Michigan. You, you just, you haven't. You have found a way to either botch it or someone else make some money play on you. Nebraska, in a close game, executing, letting your guys go play, be playmakers, do it confidently, truly having no fear, and then thriving in the moment. Go get it done. Get a stop on fourth and two. Put a two-minute drill together and get in field goal range. Hell, score. Get seven. Make a play with your arms or your legs or put a drive together. Put a four-minute drive together to just kill the clock when you're up a field goal or a touchdown and just out-muscle them. Listen, if if that is how this thing ends Saturday night, that would be apropos because that is the one – we talk incremental progress. That's the progress evading Nebraska, beating ranked teams – and, and winning close ball games. And they're one in the freaking same in this league in 2021 and beyond. That's how it's got to – you can win by seven. To, I don't care. And, and it may be a, a, a little bit more of a breather. You, you can lose by seven or ten or three. Who knows how this is going to go. But if, if they can go get – go, go earn a victory and do it in dramatic fashion when – in, in a lot of moments, they just have not succeeded. They, they've been okay in a couple instances putting a drive together to tie Iowa, right? And then you get popped at the, uh, the last second field goal. But go do it that way. That, that would be incredible. We talk confidence. We have talent on the discussion point. You have the home field. You've got a crowd that is going to be bathed in Jack Daniels by 7 a.m. And then you go let your quarterback make a play, and get help around him. I think that would be, that would be storybook, and you're only at the midway point. But, I mean, if we're talking incremental progress here, uh, I think it's much more preferable if you go take down a, a ranked team and it's not a one-score game. Let's go win by 14. I, I, I get so worried, if, I get worried if it's ranked. Just give me an ass-kicking. If it's, if it's a one-score <laughs> game against a too, ranked team, you're biting off two, more than you can chew. That's I, two things you got to improve. I think they're too good to go beat by double digits. I'm with you. Okay, that's that's it. I love where your head's at. <laughs> I, I love your enthusiasm. Go by five scores. But the other thing, too, is the, the thing that is going to be uh, big 
for Nebraska is is their option game when it comes to, to ripping off some big plays potentially against Michigan. And Jim Brandstatter talked about just Adrian with his legs, how 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 good that has been for this offense. But there's also some risk reward with option. And I I just fear a couple of things. Just talking out loud about Nebraska taking care of the football, trying to do too much if you're Adrian. Because Michigan will, Michigan will get a turnover, right? Nebraska can can turn a turnover away. Their defense is good enough to, to withstand something like that. But it's going to be one of those things where it's going to be a turnover, a stop, missed opportunity with field position, a kickoff or a punt return, or, God forbid, Nebraska's young but very talented line gets beat by an older, grizzled vet on a third and six that turns into a strip sack. God, I've just thrown out a nightmare. But go get a close one-score win would be incredible for Nebraska. Mike Babcock's next on Hale Varsity. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Thanks for hanging out. Midweek edition, Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. And uh, we'll check in with Mad Chick coming up here in an hour. We welcome in historian, author, Hall of Famer, Mr. Husker Football, Mike Babcock at MD Babs on Twitter. Babbers, you got the leather helmet on, bud. Yeah, yeah, I got the leather helmet on. Um, you know, those old, 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 old teams, um, they they look like a tough bunch of guys, like a bunch of... I've seen picture one picture, they look like a bunch of axe murderers. They're... <laughs> Pretty, uh, pretty serious looking fellows. How uh, how throwback will Saturday be? This should be good. Uh, I think it'll be really uh, exciting. I think there'll be a lot of energy at the stadium, obviously, and and great expectations uh, from the Huskers. And uh, you know, I, you guys were talking about it. The thing that I like offensively is that Nebraska appears to have committed to some extent to that spread option thing, and I I really think that's a uh, that's a good way to go. And, you know, the, the concern there is obviously that Adrian's going to be in a position where he's going to get hit a lot, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, when he's running it. But uh, by the same token, uh, until last week when we got some young guys in the offensive line, some new guys there, um, he was getting hit a lot at quarterback, just uh, dropping back too. So um, I think that'll. But, you know, my point is, I think that Nebraska can be competitive offensively uh, with Michigan, and and we know that the defense will play uh, with grit. So um, I think it should be a good contest. Mike, has your take, impression, confidence in this offense shifted? You mentioned the option part of it, but just what's around Adrian. I look at the receiving core, where you're running a hitch to to Martin, who is back. And it's it's thirteen. Therese uh, swooping underneath a, a deep ball and making a fifty fifty catch. If they pitch him the ball, great. They can still throw it to him as well with bets. And there's still Omar, who you run a dig route, he'll get thirty on you. I mean, there are there are weapons that teams got to be concerned with with Nebraska. Yeah, yeah, no question about that. Um, and and that's the thing is the uh, the. The variety that the that the offense has shown, and uh, 
you know, again, get some consistency there. Um, and, and I think Nebraska can be imposing. But, yeah, there's a lot of guys that have been involved in this thing. And, uh, you know, I yeah, hadn't even been on the depth chart, on the two deeps. Yeah. And he steps in there, and the second time he carries the ball, he goes 64 yards. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a pretty impressive uh, uh, group of, uh, of players that Nebraska can put out there on offense. And I think the offensive line uh, may be coming around a little bit with the, with the addition of uh, uh, a couple of guys. Yeah, Mike, you mentioned the offense line there at the end. That's where I wanted to go next. Teddy Prohoshka, the second true freshman starting left tackle for Nebraska in as many years. When you go back to Turner Corcoran last year, the first two in program history. Now we've had – or sorry, the first one in program history was Turner last year. Now we have two in two years. Uh, really seems like Nebraska – has found a bit of a formula for what they want on offense or the offensive line uh, hasn't necessarily panned out for them so far this year, but Prohoshka seems to be a, a guy who's ready to step into the, the spotlight. Yeah, he certainly, uh, he certainly did last week and, and, uh, Nuri, uh, did a good job at, uh, at left guard. Um, you know, I think they, they feel pretty good about him. So, uh, and then Corcoran made the move over to the, to uh, right tackle and uh, seemed to do pretty well there. And the thing that I like, in addition, is that you've got some guys with experience uh, that can rotate in there. You know, you're not going to just completely dismiss them. And uh, that's what you're looking for, I think, in an offensive line is, again, I've said this time and time again, I guess, but you get the five starters and then you need at least one tackle that can rotate either side and one guard that can rotate either either side or if you have opportunity maybe you've got one guy on each side that you can rotate in there uh to give you some depth in the offensive line and i think that uh you know that's where nebraska is it looks appears to be that's where nebraska is after that game you know don't i don't, I don't want to overstep things here um because it was the first time around uh for a couple of those guys but um if, if they continue to develop and they continue to play the way they did, um, that's the kind of uh, offensive line you want, the protection that you want for Adrian and for the end to help the running game. Mike Babcock's with us from Hale Varsity Magazine, HaleVarsity.com, at MD Babs on Twitter, historian, author, Hall of Famer. Mike, th- this is the biggest game since when? Oh, gosh. Um, you know, I heard you guys talking about that a little bit. Um, I find it difficult. Um, you know, it was a big game. What was it? Did, did, didn't Riley's team, one of his teams, start 7-0? and Yeah, 16, and they beat Oregon. And they got in the ring, and they got in the top 10, I think. Mm-hmm. Wisconsin, uh, making, yeah, the they, Wisconsin game there. Yeah, and then they then they dropped a couple, but um, it, it, you know it's probably probably there um, in terms of excitement. You know that was a pretty big deal. Um, I think you know there's a lot, again Nebraska hasn't been in the in the uh, top ten very much here in the last quarter century, and and to to get there at that point, I think that was a big deal uh, for that team. There's a lot of excitement, but. Um, things didn't really pan out. Do you feel better about the team's confidence or their poise in the moment? Yeah, I do. I mean, I think that 
you know, that's part of it. I mean, I don't think that you go put 56 points up on on Northwestern and uh, you don't have uh, confidence and and the kind of focus that Nebraska needs to have. I, I just don't think you do that, although I know Duke put up a lot of yardage on, uh, on Northwestern as well. But um, I think you have to have that in order to, to do what Nebraska did. Mike, looking ahead to the game on Saturday, what's more important in your eyes? Is it the offense making plays, getting some yardage, or is it the defense shutting down that Michigan offense? Well, uh, to me, the, the offense, because I, I, I think I know what the defense is going to do. Um, and, you know, so we've got, we've got the one, we've got the great uh, uh, offensive show against Northwestern. And, you know, the offense has been gritty like the defense. Um, but uh, that's probably the thing that I want to see what, what Nebraska can do offensively against uh, Michigan's defense. Because I think Nebraska's defense will, will hold up. You know, it's, it's shown um, pretty much every game this year, it's shown that it can get the job done. And I think it'll continue to do that against Michigan. So I'm, I'm looking for the offense. Let's see if the offense can can put a couple games together is this is this the takeoff moment for the frost era potentially well um i don't want to get to that point yet i mean i really think that it's still a game-to-game thing you know let's let's be focused on this game let's see what happens against michigan We, we you know i said that after the oklahoma game let's see what happens in michigan state nebraska was scrappy gritty came right you know over time got to that point um, how did it respond from Michigan State? Responded really well against Northwestern. Uh, barely got set down, and then Nebraska was up uh, 14 to nothing. Um, so game game to game. Let's just say it's an important game. Let's see how Nebraska does. And then let's see what Nebraska does against uh, Minnesota in Minnesota. Um, but first things first, Michigan. Then we'll, then we'll look ahead. It could be a big game, but... I don't think you want to look at it that way yet. No, right. I mean, there's there's lots uh, to to eat on the plate, totally. Uh, but man, this is going to be special. It's a lot of fun. It, last thought here, Mike Babcock with us, Babbers. Is there a game that that you've been a part of and covered that that is kind of etched in your memory as far as for atmosphere and moment and uh, pretty uh, pretty impactful the last few years. <sighs> Well, yeah, no, the last few years, I thought you were going to just say the period, and I was going to say the 78 Oklahoma game, which, you know, one versus four and, and so forth. Um, I kind of take them as they go. Uh, I'm kind of to that point, you know. Uh, but this one seems to be a little more, to me, there's a little more interest. I'm kind of like you at the start of the show, you know, let, let's, let, let's play this game. I'm ready. <laughs> to see what's going to happen, let's let's get let's get going. Put them out there and let's kick off. You know we're going to have to wait all day Saturday for a six thirty kickoff or after that. So um, this is probably the one um, that it, it's been in a while. I'm I'm pretty level uh, along the way, but this one has has got me uh, really interested. Babbers, uh, number 10 in the – make that 11 in the Big Ten for Nebraska basketball preseason projections. Is that on point? Uh, do you feel a certain way about Husker hoops here as we get, think, we get things rolling here shortly with uh, Big Red basketball? 
I think Nebraska will be a little better than that, and I think it'll be a really uh, a fun team to watch, uh, the men and the women. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I I think better probably than ten or eleven. Babbers can't wait for Saturday, bud. We will. Uh... Bump into you for sure, and uh, excited to, to be up there with you to, to cover this. And it's uh, it's electric. It could be uh, Miami esque, and you know the the old blood in the water feel, where everyone's got a bit of a carnival like atmosphere and bouncing around and waiting for that kickoff. Oh, it's going to be exciting. A lot of energy in the stadium, and this is what I is my expectation. And there's no great insight there. That's all good. Babbers, take care, buddy. Thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. There he is. Mike Babcock, historian, author, Hall of Famer at MD Babs on Twitter. He's so right on with the, the one at a time. And uh, you got to look at it that way, not, not only as a player, but from a fan standpoint. Don't get too far ahead of yourself. I get it. But what this thing could, could turn into and lead to is is pretty incredible. And Hey, going to be fun. It is going to be fun. We are going to switch up our our showtime Saturday for our pregame, which is awesome. Can't wait for this. Three to five, uh, another flex schedule extravaganza. But what's really special about this, uh, our dear friends uh, Gary and Nate at Gary Michaels, they've got a tent. They've got a green space. I have Elijah's uh, incredible father's generator, and uh, we have power which means we are on site from a tailgate doing the weekend edition of Hale Varsity Radio. I'll be there if food is provided. Oh, they'll, they'll have food. <laughs> they'll have food. Say less. That's all I needed to hear. Uh, but make sure you, you got a coat and a t- I'm kidding. Uh, of course, uh, Gary Michaels taking care of the Nebraska Unity Walk. How incredible they looked. It's all business Saturday for sure. Mike Shuhart on the way with Hale Varsity. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, it's Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Michigan Insider, Greg Hansen, coming up at uh, 525, Mad Schick with ESPN and Sirius XM, and of course, Schick and Nick, our Herdat family, going to be with us in an hour. We welcome in... Uh, Mr. Wilderness Ridge Golf, uh, incredible setup at Wilderness uh, for your membership. Fall golf is incredible. The colors, the greens, and oh yeah, a little football and bourbon too. We say hi to Shuey. Shuey, how uh, how jacked are you for this week, man? Good to spend time with you. Yeah, pretty excited, man. A night game is always fun to have a night game, especially after last week's night game. That was pretty spectacular to watch, and uh, they played really well. So hopefully you can carry some momentum into this game and probably the biggest game they've had in a long time. It is. You know a lot about momentum and confidence on the green, on the tee box. Take us through your your PGA wisdom with uh, maintaining that momentum, uh, not not botching the, the groove you're in. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, like the Michigan State game, it was – Obviously demoralizing to lose, but the way they played, I mean, it, it looked like that kind of sparked them a little bit that they have the ability, if they go out and execute like they do, and they can, that they can play with just about anybody, and they did for the most part of the game and then lost it however they did. And I think that definitely carried over into the next week. You know, that's probably the best game I've 
seen a Scott Frost team uh, play in a long time. A lot of teams. Shuey, uh, let's spend a second on on what you think happened Saturday, man. Where where are you leaning? What are you feeling? Uh, I mean, they've got a tough road ahead of them, but if they play like they did against Northwestern, you know, I mean, you played the full first half with basically no penalties. It was just really clean football. I mean, they executed. They didn't look like they were panicked. They just executed. Uh, no penalties. Obviously, special teams they didn't have to use them. So, and the one time they did, they finally got something good. And I think that was a lot of it. The team is they just needed something to kind of fall their way, you know. And it kind of changes your attitude instead of always waiting. You know, I call it a bomb theory. So it's like you're holding this bomb all the time, and you know it's going to go off. You just don't know when. And when you finally get past that and you get rid of the bomb, so you know the bomb's not going to blow up, something bad's going to happen, you know, and they finally got through a game where that, that didn't happen. So it starts to turn the tide the other way. And how you think and how you feel, you know, kind of lets you relax and go do what you do because you know that you're going to be okay. So I think, I mean, if they can maintain that, you know, and play a complete game that way, I mean, they can – be competitive with anybody. Making sure you said bomb and not a G but a B on the end. Yeah. Just just making sure. I yeah, bomb theory. That's that's good insight. <laughs> and that's what happens as a golfer, you know, you hit enough bad shots, it's like you you're playing pretty good, but you know that that bad shot's in there and the minute you hit it, that's like the bomb going off. Yeah. And then all heck breaks loose, you know, so it's like you need to be able to get through those, you know, you need to get through an extended period of time where that doesn't happen. And then pretty soon you start believing that it's not going to happen. Something good is actually going to happen mm-hmm. instead of waiting for something bad to happen to you because it's easy to think that because something bad's always happening. So it's like if you can get past that stage and start believing something good is actually going to happen, again, your special teams, all of a sudden the guy hits a punt and he hits a good punt, takes a good bounce, 84 yards later. So it's like instead of it going seven yards, it's going 80 yards. <laughs> well, I, I think the the bomb theory and the bong theory actually go hand in hand. When that bomb goes off for the Huskers, I just need someone to pass that thing my way. It's Well, there we go, Elijah. <laughs> Oh, but but Shuey, I wanted to get your take on this because we, we we talked a little bit earlier uh, back in the first segment about uh, how this Husker football team is generating some respect. I think even among Nebraska fans, and when we were talking to you, I think it was about a month ago. You said you're waiting for this team to to show you something for you to actually want to watch the team. Have they shown that for you? Do you want to watch this team on Saturdays now? Uh, I do, especially their defense because their defense is the first thing that came along. You know, and it was, you know, the last couple, three games has been fun to watch their defense get better and and play like at least defenses I'm used to seeing out of Nebraska, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's like it's been fun to watch that kind of football. You know, it's Big Ten football, man. You have to be strong up front. And uh, and Michigan State, they played that way. I mean, that was a very good running attack team that they shut down. Did the same thing against Northwestern. Um, and then you had your offense, you know, make some plays to come along with it. You know, so as long as, you know, I, I'm, I'm a big believer in defense. Defense wins. You know, if you can play defense, that means you're always in a ball game. 
You know, you just can't have your offense make a ton of mistakes, if any. You know, if you have great defense and your offense doesn't make many mistakes, you're always going to be somewhat competitive, especially with the talent they have. You know, and Martinez is just a great athlete. He's he's going to make plays. You just got to stay away from the mistakes. Should we momentum let, killer. Yeah, and that, that's, that's what I'm wondering about. Michigan's got enough dudes that they can – Cause some problems against anybody, right? Any roster, any any program, and you just you just wonder if this is a situation where Adrian just kind of lets lets things come to him and and keeps doing what he's been doing without getting uh, harassed to the point where there's something backbreaking. I don't like going. Yeah. I don't like going there, but there's a history. There is, and you can't. I mean, you can't deny the history. I mean, he's. He has a propensity to do that, and he's shown that he has a propensity. But at the same time, you know, they made a switch in their offensive line, mm-hmm. which gave him a lot more time than I've seen have in recent games. Yeah. You know, now that's going to be severely tested this week. You know, you got two new guys in there going against a really good defense. Um, and we're going to see how well they hold up, if they can, on a bigger stage, much more hype. You know, so hopefully you can see them continue to play like they did last week. I mean, but it's a totally different team. I mean, this is massively upgraded team, mm-hmm. what they played last week. Chewy, last thought. Let's get to golf. DeChambeau, Kepka, the match, Thanksgiving. Uh, what do you think of that? Do you love the, the schedule? Uh, I'm not a big fan of either one. I think that's <laughs> just a bunch of hype that those two created to – get exactly what they're getting you know so it's like i don't i'm not a big fan of it that's it's friends giving i mean maybe they'll uh, bury the hatchet maybe supposedly they did at the Ryder cup they're huggy friends now that or they take their drivers out in sword fight well, they might so <laughs> they might they're pretty good at the pub of it all so yeah. Shuey, have a good have a good weekend. Uh, awesome to spend time with you, and uh, thanks for talking some football with us. And we'll be out to see you soon uh, at Wilderness. All right. All right, man. Always a pleasure. Thank you much. All right, there he is, Mike Shuhart. Get him uh, hooked up with uh, your game and improvement lessons from Shuey. Get a membership. Investigate that. And just gorgeous time of year to golf. We'll get a update from our friend Will Compton shortly. What's Clatt think of Michigan and Matt Schick next hour? It's Hale Varsity. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time, hour one, winding down. It's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Greg Henson, Michigan Insider. He's the guy who broke the story about Harbaugh coming back to, to Michigan. Greg's been around the, the Michigan program for Decades, his take on McNamara, Big Blue, what's coming into Lincoln Saturday night, and the national analyst and uh, radio man, Matt Schick. You know him with Schick and Nick and the Heard at Media family as well. So, uh, Schick, 10 minutes away. Numbers to get in 466 37 825 5865. Emails to get to uh, again, uh, three to five tailgate party at gary michaels tailgate the weekend edition on the road excited for that uh i'm sure you may find us and stop by and see us 
but uh, just all sorts of good feels going on for this weekend. Austin emails in. He listens to us podcast and stream Spotify, Google Play, iTunes. Uh, give us a rating, yay, nay, or okay uh, for Hale Varsity Radio. But uh, Austin's like, look, fellas, big fan just outside of St. Louis, thinking out loud here, would the Huskers be top 25 if they win in Champaign? Will they potentially crack the top 25 if they win this weekend, or do they still need to win at Minnesota? Seems like this is still a team that could win eight. Wisconsin, Minnesota don't look so daunting as they did a couple of weeks ago. Uh, doesn't seem to be the case where Nebraska's uh, in, in coin flips. I think Nebraska, just because of the Big Ten, will, will always be in coin flips. They're playing good football. They're a really good football team. But it's just how, how things go in the league. I mean, every week you're going to have to bring Michigan State-type effort defensively and offensive execution the level of, of Northwestern. And punting like you, <laughs> you did the one time against uh, against Northwestern. That's where I'm at with it. I mean, it's got to be a weekly thing. And I think the, the kids get that. You would hope they get it. I mean, the, the question is, is are they satisfied in their big win over Northwestern? No. Obviously, that no. was such a, a big win for the season as a whole uh, to get confidence and saying, yeah, we can win football games. We're not cursed. Uh, well, they just killed somebody. Yeah, you I mean, would, take out all your frustrations is is what they did. But do they have any frustrations still saved up that they, they can die. use for Michigan? That's that's the question for me. Uh, it's not a question of talent anymore. That used to be the the, the thing we'd talk about is oh, does Nebraska have enough talent to match up? They have the talent, talent to match up with Michigan. It, it comes down to coming out of that tunnel on Saturday night and executing your game plan. No, and and what's the moment going to be like for them? Do we have time for Will? Yeah. Will Compton, of course, busting with the boys, his partner, Taylor Luan, Michigan, Nebraska, and a t-shirt contest going on, and some good insight here from Will. Nebraska's beating the shit out of Michigan as far as the t-shirt drive goes. The boy comp, we're about to be, this is an easy 10,000. I knew it would be, you know what I mean? Like, Michigan's not about loyalty like Nebraska. They have tradition, yes. But dude, Nebraska dies for this, bro. There's a lot of Fairweather fans on the Michigan side. There really is. Like, even when I would play there, they have like one of the biggest stadiums, but it wasn't the loud. It's it was never the loudest. Yeah. But when you're busy on your phone and you just want to wear a, a navy blue or white t-shirt just because to say I'm at the Michigan game, they're there for the gram. People in Nebraska, <laughs> this <shit> is generational. <laughs> Nebraska's. We we had it on uh, on, on replay, so we're, we're, that was the end of it. it okay, just, that's that's fine. It is generational. Uh, Michigan fan, maybe country club. Some, many. This team in. They're blue collar. They're coming in, uh, and they are as iron tough as is their coach Harbaugh. Also, great move by Compton to make it a uh, contest for ten G. Nebraska fans are, uh, are are good fans or not. Matt Schick is next. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. 
Back into it. It's Hour 2. Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Wanted to get some national perspective on Nebraska, Michigan, and a name you know and a voice you listen to with ESPN National, uh, play-by-play radio, and, of course, Sirius XM, and, of course, the Herdan family uh, podcast, Schick and Nick. Matt Schick with us. Find him on Twitter at Schick, I should say, at ESPN underscore Schick. Matt, how do you have time to sleep? You're doing everything. What's up? <laughs> There's definitely a lot going on. And in fact, uh, my wife took, she's a Nebraska native. She took our oldest son, who turns 11 later this month. She, uh, they just got on a plane this afternoon and they are headed to Lincoln, Nebraska to visit her uh, parents and to go to the Nebraska game this weekend. It's kind of a, a belated double digit birthday gift for my oldest son. So he is. I've got three kids to myself, and it feels like a pseudo-vacation, but it's almost canceled out because instead of three kids and four, it's still one adult. So, yeah, there's a lot going on here, and uh, I'm just trying to survive. You will. You'll be all right. You'll have a good time. You'll uh, you'll throw the game on, and that's awesome. you got family coming back for this, and I really enjoy uh, your podcast, uh, Shick and Nick, and I know the, the fans do as well, and... So you're you're really going to be by yourself, is what you're telling me. <laughs> that's it. No, that's it. I mean, I'm going to try to get the kids down. They're probably going to want to watch the first quarter and a half. Maybe Dad will let them stay up for the first entire first half, and uh, hopefully it's a good game. And then I'll put them to bed, and then I'll catch up. And yeah, it's uh, it's going to be me on an island here. But there's enough uh, little league sports and things I need to coach and get them to that will kill some of the time. So that I'm not just fending off. Uh, it's not low to the flies over here. No, that's good. Let's uh, let's dive into Nebraska, Michigan, and man, this moment is the build up, and you see where Nebraska started uh, with uh, the Illinois debacle to a to a team that's improved. Matt, as you look at, at Nebraska from post Michigan State to now, are you in that camp that says, okay, Nebraska's a better football team, a good football team, or is there still a question mark with them? I think they're a good team that has yet to put it all together. Um, and I think they did against Northwestern. I think the only caveat is they haven't put it together against a good team. Northwestern is not a good team. Northwestern is, you don't want to poo-poo anything Nebraska did, except to say that Northwestern is probably the worst team in the Big Ten, maybe bottom two at the best. And so that's the that's really the question here. There's a There's a trend with Nebraska. And what I... You know, you mentioned go back to the Michigan State game. I mean, you go back to the Illinois game, and I said this this week on the, on the uh, Shikinik podcast. I appreciate you mentioned that, Schmidt. Is that this this entire for this entire season for Nebraska? The cloud hanging over this season so far is the loss to Illinois. If they had found some sort of way to win that game, even if it was ugly, you find a way to win that game, then the whole season changes. Because you're looking at Oklahoma, you say, well, you played them tight, and you gave them a good run, you lost, but, man, you were right there. Okay, now that's your first loss of the year. Then you go to Michigan State, oh, my goodness, one play, but, gosh, you got to shore that up. All right, two losses. Instead, you go into Northwestern with a record of two and three, and the Illinois game, people just turn the page on Nebraska nationally. They had the national spotlight to themselves, both locally and nationally. It was just one of those games, you got to be kidding me. How does this happen? Here we go again. And it's kind of reared its ugly head in special teams moments and other types of offensive snafus in a couple of games. And, and so you hate to say, hey, if they just won that game, you, know, you can't rewrite history. 
But let's be honest, that game we knew going into the season was going to be indicative of the temperature of the season and of the fans. And to this point, it has. And so the only way to fix that, yes, the Northwestern one was nice, but it's to get a win over a good team and do it with the nation watching. And they've got a chance to do that coming up Saturday. Putting it all together is uh, is about right. And Nebraska will have to do that Saturday night. Matt Schick with us. At Hale Varsity Radio, of course, Chick and Nick, his podcast with the Hurt At Media family. And uh, you hear him with uh, Sirius XM ESPN and, of course, ESPN National. Is the dog uh, just disagreeing with you? Yeah, that's my, that's my dog, Obi, who's uh, very upset that I started to talk about how Nebraska just can't seem to put things all together. I think he, I think he disagrees, and uh, he wasn't born in Nebraska, but my wife's certainly rubbing off on him, so I think he's, I think he wants me to give Nebraska a little more credit than I'm giving No, Nebraska. what you said was, was spot on, and I, I, you know, you've been around here, you've covered Nebraska when the, the fan base has been like afraid to, to get their heart broke, but man, <laughs> the, the bandwagon filled up and the energy was was huge and I, I kind of point back to the 09 Oklahoma game right that was a weird season but Nebraska found a way to beat Oklahoma you fast forward you're right there against Texas Matt it feels like this moment here is that too soon to 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 jump from <laughs> we just talked Illinois to you, you beat a ranked team at night at home which happens in college football to okay Nebraska's really uh really turned the corner I don't think it's overstating it. I mean, let's be honest here. They only play 12 a year. Mm -hmm. You only play 12 games, and this is going to be – we've already reached the halfway point. So uh, this is a tipping point for the season. This is a chance for Nebraska to erase the mistakes in Champaign and to forgive the phrase, pop the cork on a new phase in this season Uh, because – Frankly, you beat Northwestern. You've got Michigan this week. You're about a field goal underdog here. So Vegas tells you that they are anticipating a good Nebraska fight and a good chance to win this game. You do that, and then really in front of you is a chance to you know, win at least seven, which I think was the opportunity preseason that a lot of us, and I, I pegged them at seven and five, minimum six and six, with really no excuses there. And I think that's the opportunity here because you look at what's in front of them after this, you go to a Minnesota team that, you know, has been fairly consistent defensively, but is inconsistent offensively and is, is down a key back. And their backup running back right now is out, so we'll see what they look like then. A Purdue team, uh, a Wisconsin team is out in front of them that has no semblance of any Wisconsin teams in the past and a huge question mark at quarterback. Uh, I mean, you went from thinking that this could be a three and nine year after the loss to Illinois and the loss to Michigan state to a chance to potentially make it seven and five, eight and four. If things went really, really well, I think that's putting a, a lot on this game, but frankly, Chris, I think if they win this game, you are locked into a bowl game. I think that's really what this game is about. You win the game, you're going to get to a bowl, and then it's really about achieving a little bit more on top of that. Matt, we've had some people calling Nebraska the best three-loss team in the country. We've even had Nebraska hop up into the uh, the FPI Top 25, according to ESPN, the Football Power Index. Is there any scenario where you can see Nebraska finishing in the Top 25 this season if they can get some momentum going, uh, starting this week with Michigan and then carrying through the, the heart of their schedule? 
Yeah, I think so. I think so. But it but it has to include a win this week. I mean, it really does because if if you're not going to win this week, you're not you're likely not going to have a chance against Ohio State, and Iowa becomes a real tall task, albeit at home. So, but but yes, I mean, you look year in and year out in the polls, and there are always eight and four teams at the bottom. Frankly, even a seven and five, depending on the strength of schedule. And college football fans, or at least folks who cover the sport, and I would hope most of those who vote in some of these polls and those who are on the college football playoff selection committee, which is what the rankings are going to be determined by, not necessarily the AP or the or the coaches. Although Nebraska, uh, you know, media or Nebraska coaches will take whatever they can get at this point. But um, those in the room value strength of schedule. And by the end of this season, Nebraska will probably have a top 10 strength of schedule when it's all said and done. And, and I think that needs to be factored into it. Yeah, they're teetering on the top 25 of the uh, of the FPI, the Football Power Index. Right now, at last check, they're at 21. So people get it. And there aren't a lot of teams that have played as challenging a schedule as this. So the metrics don't lie. When you look at defensive efficiencies, if you want to go to – those types of categories for um, for a team like Nebraska. Scrolling down here, Nebraska is a top 16 team nationally, defensive efficiency. They're a top 27 team, offensive efficiency. And unfortunately, they're 128th in special teams, <laughs> still, which uh, is, I believe, could be dead. No, it's two, two spots from the end. So it's 128 out of 130. So you can kind of see what's been happening here. They only really had a chance to, to punt the ball away once against Northwestern, which is a good problem to have. But um, you win this game, you'll win a few more. You'll finish either seven and five or eight and four. Probably eight and four is your peak at this point, and you probably finish anywhere between twenty and twenty-five. And I, as long as their defense continues to show, as long as Adrian Martinez continues to do what he's doing, I think that'll happen. But it ha- it cannot happen without a win on Saturday. Matt Schick's with us. A couple more minutes. Hail Varsity Radio talking Nebraska and Michigan. Matt, what do you expect from Adrian Saturday night? And I ask that with the assumption that the O-line plays competent and there's a run game to lean on. Is this a game Adrian's got to go be the difference maker? Uh, I think any risks that he needs to take are simply with his legs. I don't think there's going to be um, – I think he's just going to have to do what he's – been doing, which is playing fairly error-free. I think the only concern is that option game, putting the ball on the ground. We've seen that before, even with proficient Husker offenses in the past that ran the option a lot, putting the ball on the ground at some key moments. And so that would be a thing for Adrian Martinez. This is a Michigan defense that is has played very well this year. I think the biggest issue for Nebraska offensively is going to be how to defend the front seven of Michigan, which includes a David Ojaba who has been really good at two and a half sacks last week against Wisconsin, and Aiden Hutchinson, who is going to be a first-round NFL draft pick, who will be lined up against a freshman tackle for Nebraska. So that, that to me, is what do you do? And I'm sure there's – I mean, Scott Frost, the, the offensive staff are working on this, I'm sure, and have had a plan for this. And how do you do that? Well, what do you do? You run away from that side. You run away from Hutchinson. Move the pocket. You get him out in space. You get a feel, you know, get a feel for try and get Hutchinson to wash past him so he can get some clear running lanes. Because, you know, without, without Adrian Martinez rushing for, you know, a minimum of, of 
uh, gosh, I would say 75 yards in this game, uh, getting some free lanes. I, I, I don't think they win the game, and that's why I think he does. I think they'll have that opportunity. Look, I look at what, what has Michigan faced so far this season. They faced Western Michigan, a terrible Washington team, a Northern Illinois team that is you know, fairly minimal, coming off a win against Eastern uh, Michigan. But what does that mean? A Rutgers team that was – uh, that frankly looked pretty good against Michigan, and then absolutely got whitewashed against Ohio State. And Noah Vedrill, who's you know take him or leave him, he's a fine quarterback. Nebraska knows that. And then a Wisconsin team where uh, Graham Mertz, who I've dubbed Graham Merch because of all the merchandise he was focused on selling before the season, he has been a great disappointment. And they have no offensive identity. Now you got a Nebraska team that. Frankly, I would put A.J. Martinez as right now the second-best quarterback in the Big Ten, probably behind Sean Clifford. And he's the most dynamic of all of them because of what he can do with his legs. And so um, I think Michigan is going to be in for a, uh, not necessarily a surprise, but I think it's going to take some adjustment going after such a mobile and talented quarterback in Adrian. It's just going to be about Adrian making sure he doesn't make mistakes. What's the Harbaugh narrative nationally? Has that tamped down? Is it still in question you have two coaches that are back at their alma mater and you have the fan base here that is wondering why it hasn't popped you have michigan fans saying are you ever going to beat ohio state and there's probably a section of michigan fans that are like this is totally a game that harbaugh will lose well it's interesting you say that because if michigan does lose this game the boo birds will come out and the voices from the woodwork will come out. Scott Frost will say, Hey, you're preaching to the choir man. Cause I've been there for the last three years, uh, at this point. Um, I'm, the, the national narrative on Harbaugh is he's been very quiet. And I think that served him well, um, because he hasn't raised expectations. He's not taking trips to Italy with his team. Maybe COVID was the best thing that could happen because you can't do those things <laughs> right now. So the off season fanfare hasn't really been there for Michigan. And what does he do? He revamps his staff. He gets 30 plus years younger at the defensive coordinator position, puts some, you know, a piece like a Mike Hart, who's got some tentacles to the past. He's helping to coach the running backs. That position has turned into a position of strength. There's a lot of enthusiasm uh, and energy around the program with this young staff. And so he's almost, the, the, the team has almost taken on the identity of his assistants rather than him. And maybe that's why they're playing with a little more energy. Last thought, wardrobe preference. We kind of dubbed this uh, matchup khakis versus camo. Are you a (laughs) camouflage guy or a khaki guy? Well, I've tried the khaki thing uh, before, and there was an infamous photo of me me, uh, working outside the dugout at the College World Series where it looked like my khakis were painted onto my body. And so uh, I've been a little hesitant to uh, don khakis ever since that moment. Uh, Anything that can keep me hidden I think is good. I am uh, kind of team camo. Uh, It will look like father and son, like Jim Harbaugh on one side, Scott Frost on the other here. And it is interesting when you think about some of the storylines going into this game. Remember, it was Scott Frost when he took his UCF team uh, into Ann Arbor and said after the game, I thought we hit harder than them, right? That was when he was the coach of UCF. And then, you know, a year or two later, he takes Nebraska in there and they get whitewashed 50 to 
whatever it was. And so there's a there's a little bit of a history here between these two coaches, and, and maybe Harbaugh's due for one here. It'll be good. Matt Schick with us, ESPN National, uh, Sirius XM, and, of course, Schick and Nick with Hurt at uh, Media. Matt, great to get caught up. We'll do this again. Thanks for, for giving us a few minutes today. Yeah, anytime. Always good to reconnect. Take care. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out. Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Let's get into Nebraska, Michigan. Saturday can't get here soon enough. We welcome in Michigan Insider. And uh, it'd be awesome if you come back by into town for some wings. Play to wings. Greg Henson with us at Greg Henson on Twitter. Greg, it's good to spend time with you, man. Thanks for jumping on. How are you? Gosh, Mitty, how are you, buddy? Good to hear from you. You sound great, man. Hey, I appreciate you. And, uh, man, these moments, these games, these buildups, it's what you smile about with college football. And I would bribe you with as many wings as you want if you make it back. I already looked into flights, but unfortunately, getting from Virginia to Lincoln uh, is not an easy task. It's, uh, you know, there's, there's nowhere easy and cheap to fly into, but uh, we definitely looked into it. But I'm stoked for Saturday. I just, Schmitty, I don't know. I, I don't know what to expect. I don't know what Husker team shows. Well, that's just it. Do you get the, the Northwestern offense, uh, the Nebraska? Do you get the Nebraska Sparty defense? You get some sort of combo, and you know the the moment the opportunity awaits for Nebraska. You were here when when Scott was hired, and mm-hmm. and, and you know the hype and the reaction, and, and it's been a a slow burn, but it could it could pop. I want to get your take because you were the first one in on Harbaugh's return to Michigan, and you know where where is this team at right now, and are they are they more of a throwback? Michigan squad that, that handles their business uh, are they different in a good way I think they're different like last year a lot of people like to point out how bad it was I kind of wiped that off the books Michigan had a bunch of guys who opted out you know a bunch of guys who, who were good like um, uh, Ambry Thomas mm-hmm. who would have been one of their their quarters last year and a couple other guys that would have contributed people forget Aiden Hutchinson was injured last year so they didn't have him the whole time so I think this team is is um, a good step back toward normalcy for Michigan. I still don't think it's got the top-end talent necessarily uh, to compete with Ohio State, who I still think is the best in the Big Ten. Uh, and I think I think that'll bear it out over time. But, yeah, I mean, he, look, I, I say the same thing to anyone who asks. Michigan needs Harbaugh to succeed the same way Nebraska desperately needs Scott Frost to turn this around. I mean, you can't fire – you know, it would be an awful look if you had to fire these two guys from the universities that, that you know, they were birthed from. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I think that that's kind of my thoughts on Harbaugh now is he, he's probably pulled this out of the fire for this year no matter what happens. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's the same thing for Frost. They're playing a lot better football now than they were just two, three weeks ago. Greg Henson's with us, Michigan Insider, Hale Varsity Radio, previewing Saturday night. What's going on with with Michigan's uh, Roman Wilson? Is he dinged up? Uh, there's just a hot rumor that he is uh, he's broken his wrist. Now, here's here's my thought, and, and and I tweeted this out earlier. 
he's the least of their worries getting injured. They have a whole wide receiver room full of those guys and A.J. Henning and Christian Dickinson. They got guys who can do that job. As long as Cornelius Johnson is healthy, they should be just fine because they still, this is their only real big body-wise threat downfield. So Roman Wilson, I think, is a really good young player, and I think he's going to be great. But they still have Mike Sainer still. They still have Christian Dixon, A.J. Haney, a lot of those, you know, smaller, faster guys that, you know, that, that kind of do the same thing. Plus, give, they have their tight ends all healthy still. Yeah, give me a, a thought on this front seven uh, when we talk about Ross and Aiden Hutchinson and, of course, uh, Ajabo, uh, who's been just so huge for Michigan off the edge. Aiden gets the headlines, and he's great. But Ajabo's couple of strip sacks the last couple of weeks. What's this front seven like coming in? How, how good are they as you compare them to some of, some of the elite Michigan Ds? Well, I think that the edge is, uh, is really, really good for Michigan, Ajabo and Hutchinson. But where they're getting a lot of help, is and I think you started to see the emergence last week of Mozzie Smith. He's number fifty-eight defensive tackle, and Chris Hinton's uh, son, Chris Hinton Jr. Um, those guys have been playing very, very well in the middle, middle for Michigan, and they're making it a lot easier for Josh Ross to clean up in there. And Ross is a good linebacker, but he's taking his game to another level this year. The guy can run, and uh, and when he's clean, that defense is better. Ojabo's been a revelation, but. I wonder, to me, I wonder how much it helps to have a guy like Hutchinson on the other side who takes up so much of the other team's thought process when they're preparing. Uh, he's a Bosa-type you know, defensive end, and uh, you know, he came out of nowhere. He was a good high school recruit, you know, a middling four-star guy who really took it to the next level when he got to Michigan, and you know, he's a legacy there. His old man was a defensive end there, too. Um, but, uh, but yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a hell of a football player. And the front seven... Uh, Nikhil uh, Hill Green, the the uh, the other middle linebacker, has been great this year as well. And he, you know, he's a young guy. This what the Michigan returns the least production of any Big Ten team this year. So all of these guys have really stepped in. But it's really been the cornerbacks who are playing well. Um, and I think a lot of that is Dax Dax Hill because he's now the, the nickelback and he's covering you know W wide receiver one on every team and. That takes a lot of pressure off guys like Vincent Gray and Jemin Green. Talking with Michigan insider Greg Henson here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Greg, if you were hired at Nebraska to put together a, an offensive game plan to attack this Michigan defense, I mean, I think there's been a lot of Husker fans this week that have been scared of that Michigan front seven and how they can get after the passer. What would you do uh, to try to attack this Michigan defense? Where do you think they're weak? Run the ball. Not, not that I think that's where Michigan's weak, but if you can run the ball, you can keep those ends off your quarterback. And that's going to be the problem, is if they can't run the ball, they're going to have to, they're going to, have to drop back and, and throw the ball. But I think the other thing is get Martinez in space. It's always given Michigan a problem. I mean, for 20, 30 years, Michigan has always had a problem with a guy who could kind of get out on his own and, and, and create. And I think Nebraska has a guy who can do that, um, and I, I think that the, if you can run the ball and you can get Martinez in space, I think they have a chance to be successful against Michigan. That's what I would try to do. Because throwing downfield absent a running game, I think, would be a recipe for disaster. 
Greg, a thought here with McNamara and uh, this Michigan offense. I think I'm really impressed with their downhill element, how physical their line is. The one-two punch of the I-backs will get there in a minute. But what's, uh, what do you like about McNamara, and what's his expectation Saturday? McNamara never turns the ball over. I don't think he has a turnover in his career. Um, that's, and Harbaugh loves that. And if he could, I mean, I thought last week he started off really rough. He was thrown behind receivers. He was missing guys, but he seemed to get his stride a little bit. And he, and he hung in there, and he's very cool under pressure. And the guy has great feet when, they, when the rush comes. He'll get out of there. If it's possible to get out of there, he, he can make that happen. He's a lot like Martinez in that way, but he doesn't have that top-end athleticism Martinez has. Um, but I think, he's, I think, you know, they love the fact that he doesn't turn the ball over and, and he makes – but he makes big plays. I think they'd like to see a little more consistency, though. All right. Any comps from Corum and Haskins? Any any backs they remind you of? Uh, I I think Haskins reminds me of Chris Perry, who was a very successful sure. running back at Michigan. Um, I don't know if, if you ever got to see Chris play, but he's a downhill guy who will move the chains. And I think Corum... He's not as big, but he reminds me a little bit of Tyrone Wheatley. If he gets you a step on you, he's gone. And and that's where I would be most nervous if I were black shirts, is I would be nervous of, of letting him spring up one or two because he's got the wheels to do it. But I don't know if you saw last week, he'll also run the ball right into your face. Last <laughs> week he took a massive hit on fourth and one and uh, popped right up, even though his helmet cut his face. I mean, it was a, it was – Absolutely astounding hit he took, um, but he's also got that that extra step, and that he can just he can be gone if you're not if you're not paying attention, he'll be gone. Greg, what is the difference Saturday night? Do you have a lean? I think the difference is going to be Michigan's defense. I think they're going to be the diff- I think they're better than than most people think. I know they're ranked about 15th in the country right now. Um, but I think they'll get after Martinez, and I think that'll be the difference. If, he, if you don't let him make big plays on you, Michigan will be fine. But I will say this. I don't know if Nebraska is good or bad because, you know, they lose to Illinois, and we're all kind of looking going, what is going on here? And then they play well against Northwestern, who I think is bad, but they did what they were supposed to do, right? They didn't go win by three. Yeah. And, but it, the, here's the, the thing. I don't know how good Michigan State is. And they played well against them. I, I don't think Michigan State's the 11th-ranked team in the country. I could be wrong, but I'd be shocked if they were that good, Chris. I mean, you saw the game, you know. <laughs> I, think, um, I think Michigan State's defense was was pretty good. Nebraska's offense wasn't flowing, right? They, they played a little scared, especially in the end of regulation and in, in overtime. I didn't like the play calling. But I think Nebraska – really like started believing in themselves after that first quarter in Norman. I think that's where this trace is yep. back to with going down there and yeah, yeah, you hung right in there and I, who knows where OU ends up, you know, worst case nine and three, best case there BCS, you know, New Year's Day six. But I think you got a lot of confidence that's that's flowing from OU. You backed it up mm-hmm. against Sparty. You go beat up uh, a kid that's always caused you problems in Northwestern, and you handed right. out a butt kicking, and now you got the moment, man. You got the stage, you got the the national audience, you got two helmets that the world of college football knows, and signature win. What do you? And, what, 
What do you think, though, when you look at this Michigan team? Uh, I think your defense. I think your defense is elite, especially with your edge play. I think you're physical. I think you're like mid '80s throwback tough. Honestly, like old school Harbaugh, right? The kind of quarter gritty quarterback he was. So I think like Harbaugh playing. Yes, I think that's that's your your team's personality and mentality. I think it comes down to, and I haven't, I won't make my prediction till Friday, but I think as sound as Michigan in is with punting, kicking, and return games, I think there's your difference. And historically speaking, uh, Nebraska has a moment with Adrian where someone misses a block. At least they have in in, in the recent past. And here's a strip sack. There's your there's your turnover. I think it's tight. Yeah. I don't know yeah. if it's twenty seven. 21 tight or if it's 21-17 tight. I don't know scoring because I think both offenses have the ability to, to make an explosive play and it hit a home run. Not a lot, but maybe hit one or two. And I think if this game is in Ann Arbor, I think it would be a little easier for Michigan. Yep. But having to go having to go out there, that's the X factor is what's it going to be like in Lincoln Saturday night, brother? And, uh, they're going to start dr- they're going to start drinking and bathing in Jack Daniels at six thirty a.m. Well, I hope they I hope they pass out and don't go to the game. And it's not as noisy, <laughs> <laughs> Greg. Like, because that that's the only thing that worries me is, no, that, is that atmosphere. It's going to be turnt, man. Greg, you're awesome, yeah. buddy. Thanks for the time today. All right, man. Take care. I'll talk to you soon. He's in his thirties. But sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hale Varsity Radio. I got the body of a hot preteen Swedish boy. Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery at Jock Doc Wednesday, Lincoln Orthopedic Center. Dr. Brandon Seifert with us. Dr. Brandon, what do you know? How's football treating you this fall? Hey, it's been good, buddy. Absolutely. Been busy running around trying to catch up and take care of all these injuries. It's been a super busy fall so far. It has been, and, and Maryland needed all hands on deck with seven turnovers against Iowa. But uh, their, their best wideout, Dante Demas, was trying to, to, to spark something, got rolled up on by uh, more than 11 Hawkeyes is what it looked like. And uh, <laughs> you know what? I've seen a lot of gruesome injuries in football. I think a Lawrence. Taylor, I think uh, uh, Alex Smith, I, I think of Joe Theismann, and then even Ma- Napoleon McCallum on Monday night 100 years ago. But probably the most gross and graphic uh, hyperextension I've seen in forever is the, the Demas injury. Man, he got stopped and then popped and then bent. Yeah, it's a it's a pretty impressive video. Yeah, be be careful if you pull it up and try to look at it. It's pretty impressive. Um, obviously, you know, you see something like that, and as someone who you know, does sports medicine, and starts running through your mind about you know, what are the potential injuries here. Uh, they haven't been very clear about you know, what type of specific injuries he has. Obviously, it's a knee injury. Uh, but even with that kind of mechanism, you know, you, lo- you watch a video like that, you see that kind of mechanism of injury, and you can speculate about a variety of things that can happen when I see that. You know, it could be something of as, as simple as, you know, fracturing the tibia or the shin or fracturing the thigh bone, which we call the femur. Uh, that could be a common thing that could happen with that type of mechanism. Um, but typically in these situations, what happens is it's what we call a kind of multi-ligamentous injury to the knee where you have multiple ligaments. Uh, involved probably has some meniscal uh, trauma as well 
Um, and again, they're not saying specifically what he has. I would venture to say with the, you know, the picture of the video that's there, you're probably looking at a situation where you know, ACL is probably out, PCL is most likely out, and then probably one of the collateral ligaments, which is one of the ligaments on the sides of the knee, uh, could be both. Um, and that's one thing you worry. Those are the you know, big things you worry about there. But obviously with, with that type of injury, you look at the type of deformity that was mm-hmm. there when that was occurring, and then you start to worry about, okay, what else is in that area that could be you know, really devastating? And, and that boils down to basically the artery and the nerve in the area and the potential for you know significant injury to those, which then again puts you in a situation where you're a life-threatening mm-hmm. limb type of injury, which that's the first thing that you know runs through your mind when you see a deformity like that in the field. Dr. Brandon Seifert's with us, Lincoln Orthopedic Center at Jock Doc Wednesday, Dante Demas, uh, Maryland Whiteout. Have you seen a situation where all four major knee ligaments go? Yeah, you know, uh, fortunately, I've not seen that uh, in athletics, uh, at least in a game that I've been covering. Um, obviously, I've seen that in, you know, terrible, you know, kind of car right. accident, motorcycle accident trauma. Uh, but in these athletes, you want that in the game. I have taken care of these athletes when they've come into, you know, our clinics in particular, where I did my fellowship at, they had Dr. Andrews, we would have these things come in all the time. Um, you know, but the big issue there is just, it's a devastating injury. You know, you, you get used to seeing the, the athlete and kind of their expression and, and their, their feel for, okay, I have an ACL tear and what that looks like in the process, or somebody comes in and has, you know, ACL meniscus injury, or maybe even ACL and like an MCL tear, which are, are pretty common to have those two together. And you, you understand as you know, provider, a sports provider what that looks like, what those athletes kind of are going to feel when they come in and be focused on turning the corner. You take a big injury like this, and it's just at a whole other level. You know, the, the pain is much worse. Um, they know the road to recovery is much more difficult. Uh, they know that it's very few of those athletes are going to make it back to that level. And so you start to manage all those different types of thoughts and emotions that go along with this type of devastating injury. Um, and then you look at it from a process perspective. You know, it's a different process. You know, reconstructing these, putting these back together, as opposed to you know doing your standard ACL, MCL type of procedure. Um, and so all that stuff, you know, just makes for a very you know challenging situation. Most importantly for the athlete, but also the provider, putting this plan together to basically reconstruct this knee. So do you do it all at once? Mm-hmm. So that's a big question. You know, you can you can do these stage uh, depending on you know how much ligamentous trauma is there. Um, when you're talking the collateral ligaments, for example, the MCL or medial collateral ligament, that's the ligament on the side towards the inside of your knee. Um, if you want to do kind of a primary repair, direct repair, fix the MCL as opposed to having to recreate it with another ligament, it's best to get to those early. And so within the first you know probably 10 to 14 days, 21 days tops, you really want to go and see those and. and and take care of that. And so in an MCL type situation where you think you could repair it, you'd want to approach that pretty early. And so then you might think about doing the MCL and the ACL uh, all at one time. Um, and then maybe have to come back and do the PCL later. Um, but clearly you could do all of them together um, in terms of like, you know, MCL, ACL, PCL, which that's a lot of surgery um, risk of, you know, infection mm-hmm. wound healing issues with that, even in a young, healthy athlete risk of blood clots, uh, pretty extensive surgery, but you can do all that together, and then that's a very reasonable thing to do. And that's probably that's probably the 
the most common way of doing this would be to approach them all kind of at the same time. What's the timeline here? Because you had different elements repaired, different elements reconstructed, different elements healing. And do they all heal around the same timeline or is it is is the ACL going to heal quicker than the MCL? Take me through that. Yeah, you know, from a you know, purely ligamentous healing standpoint, um, probably not a deal where they're going, they're going to heal at different rates, but more an issue of uh, how do you restrict them early on? You know, for, for example, if we're just talking ACL only, uh, we're going to plug them into physical therapy right away. And really uh, there's a specific protocol to follow, but it, it's pretty aggressive. Range of motion is pretty aggressive. You don't have to have some you know, specialized brace for it. Um, but now you start adding in these other issues, you know, a PCL or an MCL, then there's certain kind of range of motion parameters we'll put into place early on. Uh, there may be some weight bearing restrictions early on associated with those. Um, and so really from not necessarily from a ligamentous uh, perspective of healing, it's more a matter of kind of how are the restrictions different. And of course, you know, more restrictions up front means, you know, more stiffness means slower quad recovery means again, overall, just slower recovery in general. Um, in terms of that rehab pathway, and you're just kind of hitting those goals kind of later in your rehab process. When it comes to explosiveness and speed and north-south, east-west, what's going to be the, the biggest hurdle for, for Demas? Yeah, you know, so one of the things I had mentioned, you know, just about going through these huge processes of one of these reconstructions with multi-ligaments um, is the stiffness piece. And so you have kind of the fancy term for that's arthrofibrosis, mm-hmm. kind of the scarring inside the knee. And so you take that, um, and that obviously is going to have an impact upon the mobility of the knee, which then obviously impacts your speed, your agility, your cutting, all the explosive. It impacts that. The other area where you start to see uh, potentially some issues is, you know, how do you how do you remake these you know, ligaments? You know, for example, the ACL, the PCL. Where are you borrowing kind of ligaments or tendons to use to remake the ACL or the PCL? Clearly, in a situation where you have you know more than one ligament involved, you're probably going to have to utilize in addition to maybe some of the patient's own tissue, maybe an allograft, which is cadaver type tissue, which again we don't like to use that mm-hmm. in our young athletes because it's not as durable as their own. But obviously, you have so many things to reconstruct, you don't have enough tissue to borrow to do that. But again, the more tissue you borrow from certain areas in that same patient, then that obviously is going to impact them later mm-hmm. for explosiveness. And so you start adding all those things in, and then the next thing is we've talked about this before is you start adding, you start these adding these things together, and then you start to get into okay, you've had this big trauma to your knee. Obviously, you've injured multiple ligaments. What else has happened? Well, you probably have a pretty big cartilage injury with this, which that's the smooth surface that makes the bones kind of glide against one another. Also, the meniscus. So there's probably some pretty significant meniscus trauma that occurs with one of these multi-ligamentous knee injuries. And so again, you start adding all those dominoes together, and that just really makes for much longer recovery and a much different outcome in the end. Dr. Brandon, thanks for the time today. You bet, Chris. You guys take care. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring me in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out. Good stuff. Midweek edition, Hail Varsity Radio. Get the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. Give us a rating, good, bad, or ugly. And subscribe. We thank you for it. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. And uh, give us a follow on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio or at Herbal Essence. Great stuff from Mike Babcock and Michigan insider Greg Henson today. Big thanks to Matt Schick, ESPN National, and uh, Sirius XM. 
as well as the Schick and Nick podcast with our Herd at family members. Tomorrow, Gary Barnett and a Parker Gabriel sighting. Excited to get his take on things. Brandon Vogel will join us. And then our favorite sideline man, Jeremiah Searles, an extended breakdown from Searles on Nebraska and Michigan. We will get your best bets in with VEASAN Sports Network's Danny Burke, the pride of Chicago. I think what, what Danny did is I think he put a little bit of rough hex on Wisconsin. Danny Burke goes to a Chicago tailgate around Notre Dame and Wisconsin fans, and all of a sudden Wisconsin is curb stomped two weeks in a row. I think we also need to look into when Danny Burke started his college education at Nebraska and when Nebraska started losing football games. I, th- so I think we, gonna, we need to look into this. Blame there. So you are you are moving up the rankings. You've always been ranked. You're you're good. But between generator for the Gary Michaels tailgate Saturday three to five, it's not the horseshoe. It's the little horseshoe, like right on campus. You also. Uh, were impressed as was I with with Uncle Andy when we went down to Norman the road trip in the uh, we got a, in the RV, but he but he had this this black top, flat top, grill, like you see at diners, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you got one. Well, my father gifted one to me. Okay, so but, but the point is, is you've got like a flat top griddle slash grill yeah i do yeah i do i'm really excited uh well i still need to get it out of the box i still need to get how it big is up. the thing um uh, smaller than the soundboard here in front of me. i'd probably say how heavy is it uh decently okay so like forklift no 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 two people could get it easily okay. one person if they're if they're really you know so strong like in, me. in bill hook's approval there there may be crown and diet in the vicinity saturday uh-huh. But if there's a, a flat top grill with some brats, oh, I'm go who hot on that thing. You know how this oh, are you? doing it, <laughs> <laughs> Benny Hanna got arrested for cocaine at Benny Hanna. I'm sorry. I'll be tossing a shrimp into people's mouths like with a little spatula thing. Uh-huh. Sign your waiver I'll, first. I'll practice first. Don't worry. Sign your waiver. How impressed would you be then if I'm tossing shrimp like directly into people's mouths? Just Brother, perfectly? I don't, 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 don't. Risk an incompletion. Just eat <laughs> eat the shrimp. Uh, we're loaded up tomorrow. Check the podcast out. Do we have time for Joel Klatt? No? Son of a gun. We'll hear from Joel Klatt tomorrow. Joel Klatt on Michigan and uh, their job Saturday. More on Nebraska-Michigan tomorrow. A big week. Fun week. But let's be straight. Get here. Let's get here Saturday. So we can see what Nebraska's made of, so we can see what Michigan's made of. Thanks for tuning in to Hale Varsity. Back at you tomorrow at 4, presented by the Nebraska Lottery.